Synchronicity is a concept first introduced by analytical psychologist Carl G. Jung. Quote, to describe circumstances that appear meaningfully related yet lack casual connection, unquote. Welcome to Bad Kitty Media Pod, a podcast where we talk about anything and everything. This is episode 13, and today I'm here with Ace to talk about synchronicity. So, Andy, before we dive into this episode, I wanted to... I've been kind of getting freaked out today. It's like, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I've just been seeing numbers that just repeat all day. Actually, it's actually been happening all week. Like, like what kind of numbers? Uh, you know, like 2021, 5, 19, and 41, 25. You know. I just, think everyone sees the number 2021. Yeah, but it's just the rate at which I've been seeing it. You know, it, I've been seeing it on my watch. Every time I see the time, it's 2021. Every time I look at, like, the goldfish I have spilled on the floor, they spill out the number 2021. And, and even when I spilled my milk this morning, it's 2021. You know what else is a coincidence? The fact that we're talking about coincidences and you're seeing coincidences. Or maybe that's not a coincidence. Is it? Well, we'll never know. So, what is synchronicity? Well, synchronicity um, is an idea that was introduced by a psychologist named Carl Jung. Sorry, early 20th century, I believe. Uh, and basically the idea of it is he that... coined it in the 1950s. 1950? Oh, I was thinking 1930s. Okay. Yeah, close, close. Yeah, 20 years. It's a, basically the idea is that there's circumstances that appear to be related in our brain. Like we see numbers or events or like I have a dream about someone and then all of a sudden they text me that day. And then in my brain I create the meaning or maybe there just is meaning between those two seemingly unrelated objects or events. So the best way to explain synchronicity is a story that Carl Jung himself actually, um, I guess, uses about a happenstance or a coincidence when he was treating a young patient in the 1950s. Uh, so the story goes as... A young woman I was treating had, at a critical moment, a dream in which she was given a golden scarab. While she was telling me this dream, I sat with my back to the closed window. Suddenly, I heard a noise behind me like a gentle tapping. I turned around and saw a flying insect knocking against the window pane from outside. I opened the window and caught the creature in the air as it flew in. It was the nearest analogy to a golden scarab that one finds in our latitudes. A scarabide beetle, the common rose chafer, which contrary to its usual habits, had evidently felt an urge to get into the dark room at this particular moment. So, Jung believed that the coincidence of this insect's visit to his office during the therapy session with this young woman was not in fact a coincidence at all. While the two incidents were apparently separate, there's no real casual relationship between the woman's dream and the insect. They were intrinsically tied to each other by way of synchronicity, according to Jung and a lot of other people who believe in this idea. Which um, makes sense because, uh, I mean, the way he explains it, the way he talks about it, it's not common to have scarabs in that area in the first place. Yeah, it's not like it's like a, a thing that happens every day. It's a very rare event that happens that coincided with a very specific dream, which could be coincidence, but it's so specific that there seems like there could be meaning there for whatever reason. We've had things like this happening ever since our, this country was founded, because we're in the US. Um, so one of the most common happenstances of synchronicity that a lot of people don't think about is actually um, bridges. Have you ever heard of the Millennium Bridge in London? 
Um, is that isn't that the pedestrian bridge that started shaking back and forth when people walked on it? Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. So um, it was originally designed. The design was one in a competition where an engineer designed the bridge and they chose his design to be used for the bridge. So they made it and um, Londoners nicknamed it the Wobbly Bridge because there was an alarming amount of movement when they walked across it when it opened. Um, literally after two days of it being opened, they closed it for two years because it wasn't sturdy. It wasn't, it kept moving. And well, it, it seems like from what I've read that the bridge was stable, but it was very off-putting for it to be moving like that. Like it wasn't a danger, but it was enough of an off-putting thing that they had to fix it. Right. Yeah, it's... That that particular bridge wasn't a danger. It was just very swayy. But they were what with what they were trying to avoid is another incident like the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Have you ever heard of that one? Yeah, that one was way worse. But what I heard with the Millennium Bridge in London, which didn't wasn't a factor in the Tacoma bridges, the way people were walking ended up in sync in such a way that it became a positive feedback loop. So like everyone's walking on the bridge of like somehow synced up through, I guess, synchronicity, and them all stepping in sync caused the bridge to start swaying back and forth, and that swaying back and forth caused them to sync up even more, and it just... So, feedback loop, for those of you who don't know, is fairly important when it comes to bridges and synchronicity. So, the reason synchronicity is important for bridge integrity is because things will start, small disturbances will continue to happen until they start to fall into line to create larger disturbances. So when you have, say, lots of people walking across a bridge, that bridge starts to shake until it reaches a certain resonant frequency. And once you reach that resonant frequency, it causes the bridge to start to move on its own. Not on its own, but like sing, I don't know how to explain this. It, it's, it begins to move to its own resonance or it moves. How do I explain this? It starts just like it becomes shaking back and forth, basically. Yeah, it, it goes from small vibrations to vibrations that start making that feedback loop even more intense. It goes from like, oh, it moves here and there to like every movement on the bridge causes it to move in the opposite way, even stronger back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until the bridge breaks. From what I understand. Right. And so the Tacoma Narrows Bridge actually collapsed. Uh, Wasn't that one in Washington State? Um, I have it pulled up. Straight of Puget Sound in Pierce County, Washington. Ah, yes. Yeah. That one is something that back when I was in high school, I was trying to, I was learning a lot about engineering because at the time that was what I was into. And I remember them showing us that as like a engineering demo uh, as to like the... Uh, power of resonant frequency and making sure to account for all the variables right of things that you wouldn't expect yeah the that bridge actually had a nickname called galloping gertie because of how much it moved um and it was a primary highway until it collapsed yeah so it was it, fairly important i think it was wind that caused it what happened was wind started making the bridge vibrate more than normal and then it just synced up with the resonant frequency of the bridge and it just hit the bridge in the perfect angle the perfect way that it just started rocking back and forth into a positive feedback loop where it started rocking more and more and more and more and more 
until something broke. Which, yeah, it was a combination of poor engineering choices and high winds. Yeah. Right. Now, bridges and resonant, fr resonant frequency, both of those are fairly common, and engineers have to consider things like that all the time. And so synchronicity will cause things like that to happen, but there, we can get way weirder with this. Synchronicity can cause way weirder things than just bridges move. Have you ever heard of Archduke Ferdinand? Isn't that the dude that started World War One by dying? Yes, yeah, exactly. And the vehicle, was he in the vehicle? Yes, yeah, so he, he was, was assassinated in the car, I think during a parade, like yeah. kind of like JFK. Yeah, so the vehicle, which I'm not even gonna try, you wanna try and pronounce that vehicle name? For the listeners, it's spelled H-E-E-R-E-G-E-S-C-H-I-C-H-T-L-I-C-H-E-S. -E 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 Anyways, that's the brand of the car that he was in when he was assassinated. Um, it, it ended up, after the assassination, in the Museum of Vienna. And it sat there for a really, really long time before one of the tourists was looking at it and was like, Hey, that license plate looks a little weird. It hadn't been tampered with, it hadn't been replaced or anything, but the plate number on the license plate is A111118, as in Armistice, November 11th, 1918, the famous date that the agreement that ended World War I occurred on. So the event that started World War I basically had a license plate on the day that it was going to end. That is, that's insane. Yeah. That's really cool though. Yeah, and that falls under synchronicity. That's what I mean by it can get way more entertaining than just bridges. <laughs> I have a very, it's not as cool of an example, but you guys know who Stephen Hawking is, right? Yes. He died on Galileo's 13th death day, 300th death day, so he died 300 years exactly aren't, after Galileo died. Aren't you, weren't you born on that day or whatever? No, he died um, March 14th, which also happens to be Pi Day. So one of the greatest scientists in our generation died exactly 300 years on a day as another scientist who was one of the greatest scientists of their generation who kind of helped um, do astronomy. And they're both astronomers, which I think is kind of crazy. Um, so that's another kind of weird coincidence. Not as cool as the Archduke Ferdinand, though. That, that one is pretty... There are tons of things like that. And you also have to consider how many things like that have we missed? How many things like that happen on a daily basis where they're big and they're impactful, but no one ever sees it? We don't get that tourist who's like, huh, that looks weird. Yeah, like, I feel like this happens quite a bit. Especially just with the sheer number of like events that happens, like there's so many different correlations. Right. Another one that I really like is Mark Twain and Halley's Comet. So, it, for those of you who don't know, Mark Twain was born um, the day that Halley's Comet was passing Earth and it was visible. And when he got close to the end of his life, it he actually died when it came back. Yeah, and so... So he was born on the day it was visible and then died 76 years later on the day that it died. Or not, on the day that it came back. 
So in Mark Twain's own words about this, I came in with Haley's Comet. It is coming again next year. The Almighty has said no doubt. Now, there are these two unaccountable freaks. They came in together, they must go out together. That's a really interesting coincidence that Mark Twain died and was born on Haley's Comet. And I guess that goes to show just like the symbolic power of this comet. Maybe the comet had something to do with it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think it's a little weird because there are, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Sometimes old couples will like, one will die and the other one's just like, oh, okay, time for me to die too. Yeah, I've, I, I've seen that could, so much. It could literally be that case where it's like, that was his, not his sign, but he was the one who decided to die when it came back. Yeah, like because if he you knew he was born on it, and it makes sense that like it, his he already was resolute to die. When yeah, if you set yourself a pillar like that, especially such a monumental one, your brain is likely to follow. You know what? I'm gonna set myself a pillar that I'm gonna die in the year two thousand three hundred and forty-six. Why? Because I, I want to live. Because that's three hundred years from now. Yeah. So if I set myself that pillar. Years. I don't think that's how that works. That's not what I was saying. Oh, well, uh, you know, I could try. Speaking of weird coincidences with death, such as Mark Twain, y you know there's only two presidents have been assassinated, right? Yes, I totally knew that. You you knew that Abraham Lincoln and JFK both got assassinated? Yes, I, I knew that, but I thought there were more than that. Oh, well, those are the only two successful assassinations. But what's weird about it is that they were both shot in the back of the head on a Friday night before a major holiday while seated beside their wives, neither of whom were, were injured. They were both around another couple. Both were succeeded by vice presidents who had the name Johnson. Andrew Johnson was born in 1808 and Lyndon B. Johnson was born in 1908. Both have two, both have two daughters and 13 letters in their name. And both assassins have 15 letters in their name. I've read about Lee Harvey that. Oswald and John Wilkes Booth. And Lee, uh, Booth shot Lincoln in a theater and fled to a warehouse, and Oswald shot Kennedy from a warehouse and fled to a theater. Did you hear about Lincoln's son? Uh, no, I do know there's like a Lincoln family curse though. Uh, yes, but no. So his son like, or like, nephew or something like that fell onto some uh tracks at one point and there was a train coming and a guy like grabbed him and pulled him off the train tracks at like the last second and um guess who that guy was let me guess is john wilkes booth yeah was it after lincoln no it was before it was well before it was like a year before or something like that and they didn't find out until after that that had happened oh my goodness but I can one-up you with the president. You can one-up me? Okay, yep. I believe you. July 4th fatalities. So, according to biography, five of America's founding fathers all died on July 4th. Five. Wait, did you say yes, fourth? Okay. five of America's founding fathers died on July 4th. James Madison... John Adams, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and James Monroe. They all died on a July 4th. But it gets weirder than that. Jefferson and Adams both died on the exact same day, July 4th, 1826. And if you can do math, 
just do the math real quick. That's the 50th anniversary of signing the Declaration of Independence. Oh my goodness. Oh, because that was on July 4th, 1776. Yeah. And then only a few years later, James Monroe died on July 4th, 1831. And he was only the country's fifth president. Like, that wasn't even that far into the, like, whole brand new government thing before that happened. Yeah, like, he was literally, you can count the presidents that he was on one hand. Yeah. And this was during Andrew Jackson's term. So, doesn't that mean <laughs> that three of the seven, because Andrew Jackson was the seventh president. So, yeah. doesn't that mean that three, like, during that period, three out of seven, which is almost half, had died, died on, on July 4th. Yeah. That's crazy. See, I told you I could one up. Oh, yeah, you, um, I, I mean, I have, <laughs> I have another story, but, like, it's not even close to that. Shoot. Have you ever heard of the Titanic? The unsinkable ship that never sank? Is it the nurse? Or the... Is it, yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, I've heard about this one. This one's pretty sick. Yeah, so there was this uh, stewardess uh, named Violet Jessup who survived three, not, not one, not two, but three separate disasters in Olympic-class ocean liners, um, including the very infamous unsinkable RMS Titanic. All three of the ships that, she's, that she survived the sinking of were massive and luxurious. The first one, um, on April 10th, 1912, Violet boarded the Titanic um, on, her, on its first voyage, 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 what the heck? Four days later, the boat sank, as we all know. We all know the story of the Titanic. She then, on, in 1916, was working as a stewardess on the British Red Cross ship, the HMS... HMHS Britannic, which is a cousin ship to the Titanic, and it also sank, and she survived it. It was the largest ship to be lost during World War I, and 30 people died. And then, what is the other ship? And then in 1911, so I said it in the wrong order. So it was 1911, where she died, she didn't die on a ship called the Orinoco. So the Orinoco in 1911 sank, and then in 1912, the Titanic sank, and then in 1916, the Britannic sank. And she was on every single one of them. And she, you know, survived, survived all three of them yeah. in icy cold water. And I think that's pretty metal, if you ask me. It's kind of like the man who got struck by lightning like seven times and lived every single time. Oh, yeah. And then his grave got struck yeah. after he died. Yeah. I think that was... <laughs> yeah. So the very last example that I want to give is called... The Mandela Effect. If you haven't heard of this, you don't go online often enough. Berenstein Bears. This is probably one of the freakiest examples of synchronicity you can find. And first we need to describe what the Mandela Effect is. The Mandela Effect is very simple. It is a essentially fabricated memories is what it is. Um, it's like seeing things a certain way that never happened like there are entire movies that hundreds of thousands of people swear they have seen but it never happened so the reason this ties into synchronicity though is because of those hundreds of thousands of people if it was one person who was like oh yeah i i remember a movie okay fine that could be easily chalked up to memory issues thousands of people can remember a movie that never happened and give you the same details so, just for funsies, 
Let's uh, let's see where we compare on some of these. How do you spell Oscar Mayer? Like the mustard brand. M E Y E R. Nope. No. <laughs> no. Don't do this to me right now. M A Y E R is how you actually spell it. It's never been spelled with an E Y E. Okay, how do you spell Rubik's Cube? With a K. Oh. Well, yeah, get, you're correct. I was expecting <laughs> you to get that one wrong. But I remember growing up that it was with an X because I remember writing Rubik's with an X and that was how. I think you know the answer to this one. Um, does the Monopoly man have a monocle or not? I distinctly remember him having one, but I know for a fact he doesn't he because doesn't. I just looked it up. He never had one. Which freaks me out because like, it's still like ingrained in me that it has a monocle. Okay, you know Pikachu? I'm, making, has... I'm making sure there's no pictures of Pikachu around us. It does, it's, it's, you can't look at that, that's cheating. You're supposed to, you're supposed to react to it actually. I can't am. look at that. So Pikachu has a tail that has two colors on it. He has a lightning bolt and a yellow tail. From what, like that's what it seems like. A it would lightning be. bolt with a yellow tail? Yeah, like a yellow tail with like a black lightning bolt mark on it, right? No. No? No, it's just yellow. Okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what happens. You know what? Yeah. That's that's the shadow government. And then Baron Steen bears. They're actually it's Baron called Stain. Yeah, they're actually called Baron Stain. That's a big one for me. I remember them being Baron Steen. I remember them being Baron Stain. Okay, without looking. Baron Stain. Does Curious George have a tail? Curious George does not have a tail because he's a chimpanzee. Okay, yeah. That the only reason I know that is because I know he's a chimp. How do you spell Chick Fil A? Um, Chick dash Phil dash A. No. I go to Chick-fil-A like twice a day. No. I oh, oh no, I think you're right. C-H-I-C-K. Yeah, chick dash So, well, that was kind of a rigged answer though because chick, they, uh, people think it's spelled with a C or a K. So C-H-I-C, C-H-I-K, but not oh, chick spelled not out all both. the way. Both, yeah. It's because I go there all the time. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie E.T., The Extraterrestrial? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, you've, you've heard of the movie, right? Right. You know there's that famous scene where he's like, E.T. phone home, right? Mm-hmm. That's not what he says. He says, E.T. home phone. Okay, I can one-up you. Okay. Darth Vader never says, Luke, I am your father. He said, Luke. What did he say? What the? He didn't say that. That, didn't, that never happened. No, Luke. No, no, I am your father. Yeah. Not he, no, said, Luke. he said, he no, said, I no, am I, your okay, father. Okay, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> so that's an example of... Um, of people imagining parts of movies or even entire movies. What about, speaking of movies, have you ever seen The Wizard of Oz? No. Okay, here's one for you. When you have like Kit Kat, like the candy, mm -hmm. is there a dash between Kit and Cat? I don't want to answer this because I don't know. <laughs> You're making me doubt. You have everything. to do a yes or a no. <laughs> you have to give me a yes or a no. Uh, no. Yeah, you're right. There's no dash. Okay. But a lot of people think there is a dash. It, it, that's why I was doubting myself because I, I know there's not a dash because when I write it out, but I see a dash when I think of the logo, which is why I'm confused. This is a freaky one. Um, so people believe that the Mona Lisa has changed. Like, they believe that she used to be smiling because they remember seeing pictures of her smiling, but now when they look at her, she's emotionless. 
And oh, so they she has that weird like. They believe that the painting changed and moved on its own. Yeah, and like a bunch of people believe that. Yeah, because I can see from that. The, from the pictures that I've seen, it's just a color differentiation, not necessarily a line differentiation. Okay, well, I actually know for a fact you've seen the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. So you know that scene where Gandalf is like, you shall, or none shall pass, or what, I don't actually know what he says, but then he looks at the group and says a line, something, run, you fools, or fly, you Run, fools. you fools. It's actually fly, you fools. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen that one. Yeah, so, like, there's millions of examples of, like, movie stuff with, like, the Baron Life, Bears. Life was like a box of chocolates. Oh. Life is like a box of chocolates. So, Andy, now that we've talked about the Mandela effect, which is a very huge example of, like, I guess, community synchronicity, where people all synchronously have a false perception of what the past was. Um... There's another form of synchronicity that I'd like to discuss, such as the idea that a lot of symbols throughout cultures are just usually universal. There's a lot of like cultures that use animals as symbols and have come to the conclusion that these animals represent certain things completely independently of each other. Um, for instance, um, and these symbols are called universal symbols and they're, they can also be called archetypes. And this idea was presented by Jung himself. Uh, and I'm not gonna get into all the archetypes because some of them are like character type archetypes, like what we're familiar with in English. But there's another type of arch archetype, which is animals, which he explains uh, as like, a lot of people will have dreams. And a lot of the times if you see animals, every human has similar archetype, symbolic meaning within their dreams to animals. And a lot of cultures also believe this. Like for instance, a few of the things are Bears are almost universally um, symbolized as like, you know, because they have winter hibernation and reemergence in the spring, they're a symbol of resurrection. Bulls are a symbol of virility, sovereignty and wealth, and masculine power. Bulls also symbolize- Which is why eating their dicks is good. Yes, it's it, it's gonna get you real, real big. You're gonna be masculine. You're gonna be Arnold Schwarzenegger after eating that. But bulls are also associated with gods that are from all kinds of different cultures. Zeus is associated with the bull. Apis and Min and Ra, which are all Egyptian, are associated with the bulls. Mitharis, which is a Persian god, is associated, and then Shiva, which is an Indian god. So, like I said, many different cultures associating bulls with relatively similar symbols. Butterflies are always symbols of significant change, death and rebirth and becoming a new self. Cows are, um, symbolized with earth, a symbol of power, nurturing, and fertility, especially in India. The wolf is always symbolized as a teacher or a guide. The what now? Wolf. The what? The wolf. Like the big dog. Say it again? Wolf. Wolf. <laughs> wolf. <laughs> no! I got you saying it like four times. Wolf. <laughs> that was good. That was good. It's wolf. Wolf. So, for example, uh, the wolf is always symbolizing, like, teaching you or being a guy. You wrong, too. <laughs> and it's not surprising that dogs are always, like, symbols of loyalty and being man's best friend. Uh, I'm just going to go through, like, two or three more examples because there's tons of different animals. Owls, always associated with wisdom. Eagles are usually messengers. Foxes slash coyotes are associated with cunning, sly, intelligence, and 
change. Lions, which that, that one's a pretty big one. Bravery and pride. And then last but not least, turtles. Turtles are usually always associated with longevity, patience, and even creation. And a lot of uh, ancient mythology, like not Greek or Roman mythology, but a lot of other mythology, they believe that Earth is literally held on the back of a giant turtle. So, like an avatar? With, yeah, exactly uh, like, like an avatar. The floating turtle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that kind of like goes into this whole synchronicity thing because all these cultures and a ton of different people always associate certain animals with certain traits, regardless of being able to interact with each other and discuss that, oh, we're just going to agree that these things agree or that these symbols mean the same thing. What else aside from animals is there? Well, a lot of ancient civilizations um, also have a uh, pretty big list of things that are usually coinciding. Um, we all know of the pyramids, right? Pyramids are found on every single continent. There's some in China. There's notable ones in Mexico and Egypt. There's even dirt pyramids in the United States. There's a, a lot of them in Indonesia. There's some in Italy and France and the Canary Islands. Like They are found everywhere in the world. All ancient civilizations, maybe not all, but a lot of prominent ancient civilizations have pyramids. And it's not just pyramids. They always like are a divine place, a powerful place that is either spiritual or associated with the aliens powerhouse. It, yeah, it's potentially possible that that's because of aliens or because of synchronicity. Uh, another example of this is a lot of ancient civilizations have this motif of hand rock art, which we even still have today. You know, when you're a kid, your mom puts like paint on your hand and then puts like it on a piece dolmens? of paper. Dolmens? Question mark. Yeah, the big like uh, like house rock structures. I was talking about hand rocks, like all kinds of ancient oh, civilizations. Like painted hands. Yes. Oh, okay. It, okay I see, across I see. the world, when you look at like cave paintings, you see like hand prints. And even today, we do that. Like when I was a kid, my mom would have me put my hand on the paper, and we use that and then make art out of it. That's just something that like seems to span across cultures, across timelines. Um, and then dolmens, like you said, um, that's just a structure with like two rocks being parallel and then another rock on top and it's a lot bigger and it over covers it kind of like a patio. That is also seen in ancient world, in ancient civilizations everywhere. Do you know what a Karen is? Karen, uh, isn't that, isn't that the lady that comes into Five Guys and annoys us every day? <laughs> no, no, no. Not that kind of Karen. The other kind of Karen. When you're going out on a walk, or not a walk, a hike, and you're on a trail, and the trail gets kind of cold, and it's hard to tell where you're going, and you just see a pile of rocks, that's called a Karen. Is that the... Like the yeah, you, okay. every time you walk by it, you're supposed to add on a rock. So, hear me out here, hear me out. These are just Karens for giants. The... The... The Karens? dolmens. Oh, the dolmens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. okay, I can see that. Okay, but what I want to bring up is most, if not all civilizations, used metal clamps in their buildings. Even if they were made of rock or whatever, they would, like, break out small areas and then install these metal clamps in order to keep the rocks together. And they all look basically the same. They all look they almost They literally identical. look like they there, just copied. There are slight differences, like Japan's or like shaped differently they look like a um hourglass 
Well, yeah, an hourglass. That's a good way of doing it. But like Iran and Japan, they look the same. Bolivia and Cambodia and Ethiopia look identical. So... Yeah, the only ones that look very... There's two variations. There's an eye clamp and then the hourglass clamp. Oh, but, and Tunisia. Yeah, so... But all it seems like they have them in Ethiopia, India, Bulgaria, Japan, Egypt, Iran, Cambodia, Greece, Tunisia, Italy, Peru. And there's probably many more examples. Those are just the ones that we're looking at right now. Right. And then, of course, I think everyone knows about this one. Swastika. The swastikas are prevalent in a lot of ancient cultures, and it just happens to be something that was, like, picked up by the Nazis that we then associate with Nazism, but it just... We literally have buildings with swastikas on them at the NMSU. Yeah, like, swastikas are a symbol that have been used across the world, across time, up and until recently. And before, and before World War II, they were associated with positivity. Hindu. Yeah, and Hinduism. Another weird motif uh, that's found in a lot of ancient cultures is like um, the Sphinx-like characters, because you, you you've seen the Sphinx, right? The the big cat like uh, like the cat like being that's like made out of stone in Egypt. Yep. A lot of ancient civilizations have a kneeling or normal feline creature with a human face. Greek culture has a flying-looking one. Egypt obviously has the Sphinx. India, and then there's these other two countries in China, uh, Etruscan, which is an old civilization, and Assyrian, which is also old. They all have these feline-like creatures, some of them with wings, some with not, that have like that are based off of lions with a human face that almost always has a helmet on. These cultures never interacted. Are you sure that's a helmet or hair? Some of them look like a helmet. The one from India looks like a helmet. I kind of just assumed it was hair. Helmet hair question mark? A helmet made of hair. Helmet hair. <laughs> helmet hair. That's the new trend, guys. Uh, we're going to bring back the Sphinx and make helmet hair. So, yeah, that's a good example of the synchronicity between ancient worlds. And, you know, I guess uh, the ending note for this particular example is the idea uh, of, like, ancient aliens. Because... A lot of cultures have very similar depictions. We've discussed this before, but have very similar depictions of beings that all look like astronauts. And all kinds of civilizations have this. Like Egyptian civilizations and ancient like cave paintings, they all have like these weird depictions of beings with like helmets on and backpacks that look like an astronaut. And it's kind of weird that these Civilizations never spoken to each other, didn't even exist at the same time, and they all have very, very similar structured beings who are usually deity-like. Couldn't all of this synchronicity talk just be chalked down to the human's brain, brain's ability to seek out patterns? This is very possible. That's actually a lot of scientists, uh, especially in the modern day, believe that synchronicity isn't actual hidden meaning between occurrences and it's just coincidence or seeming coincidence and our brain's ability to create patterns um so humans have an extraordinary ability to find patterns even when there are none um have you ever seen like a face in an object that isn't actually a face an example of this is a iphone 11 camera um they have the two camera holes and then the flash to me that looks like a face I don't know why, but it just does. It's, it's not three a face. circles. Yeah, 
Yeah, okay, I can kind of see that. So that is because like how like how XLR cable holes look like faces. Yes, or outlets. Outlet, yeah, yeah, outlets look like faces. <laughs> yeah, humans have this extraordinary ability, and a lot of scientists believe that this is an evolutionary adaption. Um, pattern recognition probably helped a lot of early humans because if you're an early human who is a weak, bald, flobby little blob who has no claws, no teeth, and no strength, and can't outrun most predators, and you're alone in the woods. And you see a face. And no, the humans out alone in the woods who are more likely to see faces when there are none are more likely to survive than the humans who are not going to see a face even if there is one. So the ability to recognize these patterns probably developed really fast in humans. And it makes sense because a lot of studies have shown that being able to notice patterns and correlations between even unrelated things is usually associated with higher cognitive ability in animals. Uh, so typically more intelligent animals will have this ability. Like, for instance, if you have a pet goldfish, a pet cat, and a pet elephant, and a human, goldfish is not going to notice, like, a lot of patterns and shapes and stuff, or patterns of when you feed them. A dog and a cat are going to notice, oh, I see the human walking over to this bin. That's a pattern with me getting fit. And they're going to notice that. And then elephants have been shown to be extremely intelligent and they can remember a lot of things and they can recognize even more patterns. And humans are the best example of this because we notice patterns that aren't there most of the time. And I think something that we're good at, that they're not good at, is timing. Yes, we are really good at, make, at finding patterns and things that aren't just looking at us. We can find patterns between events that have happened in the past that aren't currently available. Right well, now. not even that, we can pick up on things really quickly, right? So if something's spinning and you're looking to get past said spinning thing, something that we can do that a lot of those animals can't do is say, okay, I know exactly where when to go without getting hit by said spinning thing. Yes, and that is good, at, that's pattern recognition because you notice the pattern of when it's in your way and when it's not and the relationships between those. So humans, because of that, humans are insanely good at pattern recognitions. And a lot of people believe that the idea of synchronicity is just humans looking at, uh, the, it's a combination of two things, hind, hi, hindsight bias and confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is the ability, or I guess the bias of when we agree with something, we're more likely to notice information that supports that then notice information that doesn't support that well and we always want to be right about things exactly and then hindsight bias is also like when you have for instance here's an example i always use to think of it every morning when i wake up to get to work and i figure out when i have to leave i always think oh i'm gonna hit all the red lights i don't always hit all the red lights but i always think i'm gonna and the days that i do hit the red lights my brain is going to remember more prominently because when I look back in hindsight, oh, I was right. I did hit all the red lights. Then the times that's I don't more like negativity bias and hindsight bias. Because when you because you think about you're you, in hindsight, you were you realize that you were right. So therefore, your brain puts more um, weight on those memories. So whenever someone asks, hey, how often do you hit red lights? on your way to work, you're more likely to remember the times that you did hit all red lights because you have more weight on the Yeah, but I think that's more of a negativity bias because if you have a teacher who tells you correct information every single day for an entire year and then one day gets one thing wrong, what are you going to remember? All of the information they told you that's right or that one time they messed up? The one time they messed up. Yeah. Okay, maybe that was a bad example then because the hindsight bias even works when you're correct about something. Like, um, 
oh, I'm good. Like you're more likely to remember things like in hindsight when it confirms what you believed before. And when you look back on it, you're more likely to put more weight on the memories that like conf hindsight that confirm you. Yeah, oh, that, that makes exactly. Sense. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's the same sense. thing. So for instance, if um, for some reason I noticed the numbers one, one, one in the morning, I just, for some reason I noticed those numbers. 11, 11. Yeah. No. One, one, one. <laughs> or well yeah it doesn't matter any any numbers That's or any impossible. pattern or any car like for instance as soon as my parents get a new car i start noticing that car everywhere yeah i do that all everywhere. the time everywhere anytime i work on a vehicle i start seeing that vehicle everywhere and that's because you're already primed to see that car so when you see it again you're like oh i'm seeing this car a lot and then it f creates a positive feedback loop where you start seeing a white honda accord everywhere yeah exactly and then you have a lot of memories of seeing a honda accord everywhere so every time you see one it just reinforces it and you will continue to see a honda accord every single day in every single parking lot until for some reason your brain starts fixating on a different car like yep. a yellow beetle but i don't think all synchronicity can be accounted to this right i don't think so either because there are a lot of people who think that lights go out when they're around them like, if, if I walk down a street, one of the lights is going to go out. Does that make sense? One yes. of the street lights go out, goes out, and so I'm like, oh, I must make them go out by my presence. But in reality, that light has always been there flickering. That light always goes black at the same time every night. You just happen to walk past it at the right time. So it's a coincidence that has... That is an actual coincidence. Yeah. But there are other times that, like the movies, like... The Mandela didn't effect. exist like that. That is synchronicity that I don't think can be explained by those. Yeah, because a coincidence. It, it's it's very unlikely that there's a coincidence that like there is basically almost half the population who remember one thing one way, and coincidentally another half of the population who remembers it the wrong way. Like that. That seems a little bit too much to be just chalked up to a simple coincidence. Right. Or even like. A lot of these historical examples, I think some of them are obvious coincidence, but then other ones I think... Well, there are some things we, we do, as humans, we associate feelings and personality traits with things. So the animals kind of make sense because every single time you show a human an animal, they're likely to associate the same things everyone else does. Yeah, because those are universal. Right. If the people are so familiar with those animals. That's things. not that big of a deal, but it's like the symbols, the architecture, the the astronauts everywhere. Like yeah, that, the pyramids. That's even. a little weird. Well, the pyramids can kind of be explained because that's the most efficient shape, especially with... Is it, though? Yes. Not material-wise, but... If you no, because if you have a square and you don't have material that's strong enough to hold itself, like when you have sand and you create a larger tower of loose sand, guess what shape it makes? A triangle. So when you have very rudimentary building abilities, the shape that every large tall object is gonna be is gonna look like a triangle. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But even so, most of these pyramids look exactly the same. The Egyptian ones look a little different, but a lot of the Mesoamerican ones and a lot of the ones in India and and uh the um the philippines not philippines uh india and like um, oh my gosh southern asia they look exactly the same like it's kind of scary how exact they are
What's this? A place where I can find every design from Bad Kitty Media in sticker form? Yeah, you didn't know about this? We upload most of our designs to Redbubble so our stickers can be bought by everyone across the United States. That's such a great idea. Do you guys ship on Tuesdays too? What? Of course. Why would we not? Great. I'm gonna go buy some designs right now. Visit redbubble.com and look up Bad Kitty Media to view our online shop. Now back to the podcast. Okay, here's another synchronicity that I didn't think of until now. The golden ratio. Oh, golden ratio. And that, that is like the synchronicity of synchronicities. Yeah, because it seems like every, a lot of things in life like follow this ratio, which, what is the ratio? Fibonacci number. So the ratio is a sequence of numbers. So you, I'm very familiar with this ratio because <laughs> in computer science right now, we're learning about infinite sequences. Basically any, the number sequence of the ratio you want is just the two numbers before it added. So the first one is zero and then the next one is one. And then after that, the next one is zero plus one, which is one. The next one after that is one plus one. And the next one after that is the last two. So basically, scroll down. That becomes a ratio, which comes evens out to about one point six 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 six. Is it wrong though? I want to keep. Is it wrong though? Is it that sick? And a lot of objects in living life follow this ratio, like snail shells. If you draw the ratio as like a box. And then the uh, like a triangle, and then the next triangle. How did we get this shape? Oh no! Okay, so if you get a box, and then you get a neck, uh, another square, which is point one six 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 times smaller, and then again and again and again, it creates a spiral, which is the golden ratio. Snails follow this. A lot of like um, infinite um, fractals follow this. A lot of biological shapes on human bodies follow this a lot of there's a lot of things follow the golden ratio snails shells yeah snail shells real quick the way they like grow yeah so the golden ratio is a proportion spirals that is derived from the fibonacci sequence um which it's kind of hard to explain without having a visual number. The point is, it's everywhere. It and is that is everywhere. one of the biggest synchronicities ever, and I didn't even think about it until the end of the podcast. Yeah, like, I'm surprised we didn't think about this because everything follows the golden ratio. Let's find some examples really fast. So, pine cones follow They're the golden really ratio. They're really common in shells. Tree branches, the way trees branch off, goes from one big stump to more and more and more. Galaxies. If you count that, yeah. Galaxies Galaxy spirals. It. But the thing is, if you take the golden ratio spiral... Hurricanes. Hurricanes follow it. Yeah. So if you take the golden ratio spiral and you draw straight lines between each corner and each curved edge, you actually come up with a square that can then be applied to more things. So, like, um, the Greek buildings that they made fit the golden ratio because of those straight lines. Oh, I see what you mean. And we'll post a photo of like some gold, like the golden ratio and maybe some examples on the Instagram or on the Patreon. Patreon, sorry. So we're going to post some uh, examples of the golden ratio, at least the spiral on the Patreon. So you get an example of like what it is. No, we'll we'll give some examples as well. Yeah. Just ones that we found online. Even the pyramids follow the golden ratio. The height to the base, from the center base to the edge 
ratio to the height is the golden ratio. A lot of the Greek buildings, like Andy said. So if you take the square golden ratio, so with the spiral and then you draw the straight lines between corners, if you do that and you compare it to a human face, most human faces match that golden ratio. Most, not all. Most. Is that where the Da Vinci, like that perfect man drawing comes from? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think th those are based on complete circles versus a spiral. Oh, okay. But I bet you if you analyze that one, it'll have the golden ratio. Yeah, I know the Mona Lisa is. The Mona Lisa, you can golden ratio that. Yeah, it's kind of weird how that happens, to be honest. I don't even think that's just synchronicity. I think that's... No, our, that's the conches in our ears that determine, like, balance... Those, those, are gold those, are, those are shaped like a shell. Oh my goodness. Most, and like there's even that photo, like the, the idea in photography. I remember when I was taking a photography class, they used the golden ratio a lot to like help us make compositions. Yeah. To follow the golden ratio. Yeah, very heavy in art, very heavy in science, but it's involved in like almost everything. Yeah, so you can find the golden ratio in basically anything which is the cool thing about it. And that I think supports the idea of synchronicity even more that like some, everything has this synchronous ratio in it that is just not correlated to everything else for some reason, unexplicably <coughs> why, at oh, least to us. So Andy, so you're telling me that this number that I've been seeing. Two, zero, two, one, zero, zero, it's something that I shouldn't be worried about, and it's just synchronicity at play? Yeah, it's probably not. Or it's probably nothing serious. It's probably just coincidence or your brain picking up patterns that aren't really there. Oh, uh, okay. So, no need for me to dive any deeper into that one, I guess. Yeah, probably best if you just leave that alone so you don't drive yourself slowly insane. <laughs> the slow tick of death drives me slowly insane, Andy following the golden ratio of life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's it for today, guys. Go find your own golden ratio somewhere else and leave us alone. See you guys later.